Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality, the podcast. Now, we've had a collision of worlds, a joining of forces, a banding of brothers. Sash from Principle Design and me, Sean from Open Pantry Consulting, are pleased to announce this venture for 2021, Principle of Hospitality. Now, we know that food brings people together and promotes community. And at Principle of Hospitality, we are here to disrupt current perceptions of what the hospitality industry can achieve in today's ever-evolving and challenging environment. Now, that's why we've partnered with Chef's Hat on this Principle of Hospitality podcast. Now, if you didn't know, Chef's Hat is the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia. They strive to inspire cooks, chefs, bakers, and bartenders to deliver the best product with the best tools every day. So that's why we're so proud to partner with Chef's Hat, where the industry shops. Now let's get into today's podcast. I think you're really gonna enjoy it. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Located within Side Crown Towers, Cellar & Co. is led by renowned sommeliers Chris Crawford and Matt Brook and will give customers a rare access to a variety of local and international pours, many of which are firm favourites on the best wine list at Crown's array of restaurants in South Bank, Melbourne. With over 15 years of experience under his belt as a sommelier in some of Australia's most food-focused cities, such as Melbourne and Brisbane, it is an honour to have Matt Brook, the Director of Wine at Crown, with us on the podcast today. Hey, Matty, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, it's great to be back um, as we're recording this for a second time. Um, I, th- I think last time when we recorded, um, you know, I wanted to make sure the... Uh, uh, the voice quality was really good and, uh, you know, I wasn't in the best mood that day. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think it was just another reason to come back to this amazing venue. Like it is it is fantastic for wine, um, just some of the best wine in, in pretty much the country here in in, uh, in Cellar & Co. So I want to get into that. Um, but let's talk about like your career because sommeliers around the country like – Really good ones are fantastic to talk to. Their their understanding of wine is so, so deep. And I know it's such a craft. So let's talk about how you got into the industry and how you became a song. Yeah, cool. I guess it goes back uh, a long way to not being the intention. Leaving school, I actually worked in uh, uh, healthcare and was a massage therapist. Mm. Went down that path. <laughs> wanted, wanted to work in the AFL. Grew up in Canberra. Yes. Moved to Melbourne to, to chase that. Um, but um, got to the point where I, I needed... Yeah, further income, worked in hospitality as mm-hmm. you do. Um, so I worked in a bar, in fact, here in Crown, uh, mm. which isn't here anymore, but Automatic Cafe was yes. a bit of a rock star place in the in the day. Um, and um, that was not taking you know the career too seriously at that point, uh, yeah. uh, but uh, really found that I loved it. Mm. Um, loved the cocktail side of things probably right. mostly at that point. Yes. and um, Just a flair of it? Yeah, I guess the, the creativity or, yeah. or bringing something together. Um, 
I've always liked cooking. You know, mm-hmm. finding that uh, you know balance on a plate uh, is something that chefs do. Um, yeah, and for, for for bartenders, I suppose that's putting some a drink together. Yeah, of course. Um, and and wine wasn't so much a thing for me back then. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, something I discovered later, I guess, because um, at some point you know, I had to take myself seriously, <laughs> knowing that I th- well, thinking that I wanted to pursue this further. Yeah. Um, so I got a, a, a much more serious job, which ended up being Circa the Prince. Yeah. Knowing knowing it was fine dining, and and that that meant it would be serious. Um, mm. I didn't know my else and so I got a got a gig in the bar mm-hmm. and um, work with some incredible chefs which um, which I always highlight because I, I loved being able to use products from the kitchen yeah um, like Philippa Sibley a, a, a pastry chef um, mm-hmm. who I worked with was doing incredible creations and mm-hmm. but, you know taking the uh, the poaching liquor from a champagne poached rhubarb dessert oh, and wow. creating a, a rhubarb and apple sour that you know nobody else could recreate um, because that was you know our ingredients God. Yeah, so cool stuff like that was um, was um, what made it fun yes. yeah, to begin with. Yeah, right. But I also had access to an incredible training program. And, mm-hmm. I, and what I didn't realise that I was walking into was a wine list that had two to 3,000 wines. Um, and you had, to know, you had to know some. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> but um, a, great, um, a great program of, of almost a sommelier breeding ground back then. Yeah, um, right. So I discovered that I loved that. Um, yeah, stepped out onto the floor to understand the cycle of service, and and but the, it's kind of the rest is history. Uh, mm. it just I just started learning and loving and tasting and doing all of those things that led me to uh, a sommelier career that I didn't realise I was I was following. Yeah, right. So when you when you finished up, how long were you at Circa for? Sorry. So that was about two thousand and one, maybe two. Okay. Um, and took me through to oh seven. Moved to moved to Brisbane for a brief while, yeah. but actually came back to the Prince. Um, right, okay, and 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 even saw that transition into the Melbourne Pub Group's ownership of yeah. uh, of Circa, mm-hmm. um, and and then a couple of years later um, ended up at a restaurant called Brooks, and then mm-hmm. shortly after here at Crown. Yeah, right. Yeah, how did you find the difference between Brisbane and Melbourne at that point in time? Yeah, Brisbane was really interesting because because different to Melbourne, there's there's no backyard of wineries uh, yeah. for them to be parochial about um, so they I, I actually great. found that they drank more broadly than I expected right there there was you know there was there was a lot of let's drink a Barossa Shiraz and have 12 oysters to start a uh, to start a meal <laughs> kind of thing that I had to break that mold <laughs> but uh, there's probably still a bit of that but there's there's good money in Brisbane that the uh, uh, diners who you know want an experience and and I, and I really found that um, in my short time there that the whole the whole you know, restaurant scene was booming. Yeah, for sure. Brisbane's such an interesting market, right? Like I, I can't remember if I told you this before, but I lived in Brisbane for like six years. Yeah, and it's just so unique when you look at Australia and you look at like I lived in Perth and obviously I'm from Adelaide and stuff. There's so there's so many differences between the cities, and Brisbane's just one of those places which you just never know what you're going to expect. But people are yeah. people are super open. To being yeah. educated, right? Which I imagine would service itself to wine, because people just you know want to know more and want to understand more. Yeah, I think once you once you got somebody's trust in uh, in guiding them through a wine list, uh, I mm. found it uh, really easy to to you know, push people down a path of, uh, or guide them down a path of, of enjoying something really interesting or yeah. or new, and 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 that that whole experience was um was was the benefit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then you've you've come to Crown. Um, you're obviously the director of. Of wine here, really fancy title. It's a it. great title. <laughs> I'm still excited by that title. Um, Better uh, than my bosses, actually. I think <laughs> <laughs> he'll listen and hate that. <laughs> <laughs> how did how did it come to be that you became the director of wine here in Crown? 
Um, well, that was the the role that that opened up, and yeah. um, I think for a lot of sommeliers, the the dream is is a is a you know a, a bigger role over over you know, more venues or or, yeah. or the not to move away from service necessarily, but um, but to you know, a more family friendly um, uh, schedule mm. that uh, but allowed me to you know apply my craft over you know, many different uh, wine lists rather than just looking after one. Yes, the, the pool of staff that we have here is mm. just exciting always to to work with because you know we've got God knows how many venues, bars, and and but they they range from you know casual to premium. Yes, you know, all different cuisines, and so that was. That was the attraction, having having so much more to play with. Yeah, um, of course. It was kind of kind of the dream job, always, really. Yeah, for sure. Now, last time on the podcast, um, we talked about um, you owning a, a vineyard, right? Yeah, that's a that's so. A, so let's talk about that because I think <laughs> that can really balance, like, it can really give people an understanding of how that experience has allowed you to produce wine programs for Crown, which is so which is so big, big, and allow you to you know have a really good uh, a really good wine knowledge. Yeah, that's um, uh, the, the the shortest part of the long story I'll tell. Uh, <laughs> um, back before I moved to Brisbane, you know, had a hairdresser, a creature of habit for a long time, got to know mm. them. Um, their mother had a, a, a property up in the Macedon. I sort of knew that, but um, as I was about to move, she said, oh, we're trying to figure out what to do with the uh, the, the, the vineyard on this property. Yes. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what vineyard? And um, my, my, most, my best friend and, and our business partner um, – uh, on the side, we, uh, we were like, "Oh, let's let's explore this," because mm. it was never about uh, producing a wine. It was more about getting our hands dirty and seeing the life cycle of a vineyard. And sure, and um, so we got to you know got to prune this thing for that was slightly unloved. Back to back to producing grapes. Yeah, and um, you know it, would, it only took a couple of years to be obsessed and mm. and really actually then want to produce it and see the whole cycle through to from from grapes into a into a bottle. Yes, so that was. You know, all the learning curve of, of the the processes of, of wine. Mm-hmm. Um, we never treated it perfectly like a, a, a small business should be. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's thrived into what Athletes of Wine is today, which mm-hmm. is um, producing uh, you know uh, two or three different labels and and you know, about you know, eight or nine SKUs. Yes. Wow. And most of the time, you know, we're do, we're doing this to have fun. We don't do the same thing twice. And and again, it's always you know what. what how can we get the best out of the grapes? But how can we also have some fun with it? Yeah. Um, and um, and and wine needs to be fun. It doesn't always need to be too serious. But we we like to produce something each year that's a great expression of the vineyards that we have access to. Sure. Yeah, you know, like the great domains of anywhere mm. that um, that try and produce something that speaks of place and variety and and all of those sorts of things. And yeah. And then we've got some other wines that we just play around with. Yeah. What was the biggest sort of surprise when you when you guys started? doing that vineyard and, and and producing wine because obviously you've come from the industry and understood understood how great wine you know tastes and obviously how 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 it's made and how it works but like owning your own is such a different experience yeah. so like what was the biggest surprise for you both do you think um i think i think it's more in the learnings than 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 were surprises it's mm. like oh now i understand what yield means yeah you know, when, right when a winemaker or a great grower talks about that and and um yeah the difference of climates and how you manage that you know a cool climate in the macedon which is you know fairly prone to you know some diseases and how mm. how you um how you get through a, a season just in general sure um and so you know if we talk about the the great domains of burgundy that have you know um, yield, um, 
limits and, and whatnot to be to qualify for Grand Cru or Premier Cru or whatever it is. Right. Um, understanding what that means actually in the vineyard and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. We, we weren't quite Grand Cru producers, but uh, <laughs> we did our best. <laughs> Aspirational. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the wine programs here at Crown. So how many how many venues have have alcohol in it, which you're actually doing programs for? Yeah, that's um, I, I always make the number up because it's it's <laughs> it's close close to clocking forty. I would right. s- I would say, wow. and th- and that's probably hard to believe. Be- but you know, that's counting a lot of um, you know, dispense bars, and there's yeah. um, you yeah. know, there's a different wine list for in room dining, and and so yep. once you clock all of those up, there's probably about um, high thirties, early forties lists going around right. that are all reasonably unique. Um, yes. And so you know, some of them are short, short and sharp because they don't need to be mm-hmm. great expanses. And, and then the, the likes of Nobu or Bistro Guyana that have got hundreds and hundreds yes. of wines. Yes. So there's, there's lots of different programs. And, and, yeah, and, and some of them don't need to change frequently, but then there's others that are, that are constant. Yes. Yeah. So how do you – tell me how you go about that. How do you go about changing those programs? Like do you change them, you know, some on a – uh, seasonal basis or some on a yearly basis like how do you how do you go about doing that and and testing what is actually going to be on those lists yeah i mean certainly seasonal for most yep. um there, there'll be there'll be something that um that we try and you know refocus about that list and uh, certainly along with uh, you know re- refocus of the cocktails yes um and all those sorts of things yeah um and so chris and myself taste fairly frequently as mm. you know as wines uh, even just change vintage we we make sure that we're we're moving to something that we're still comfortable with. Sure. Um, you know, yearly at least we go through a, a, a full portfolio tasting with with, our, with some of our suppliers, and mm-hmm. so that's that's that might be several hundred wines over a couple of days, wow. um, which is fun, tiring though. <laughs> be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't. I remember you telling me that last time. I can't even imagine getting up in the morning going, "Okay, we're going to try 150 wines today." <laughs> like it must be just really, really tiring to understand it. You know. It's. Um, I think certainly over your career, you get a little bit better at it. Yeah. Um, those, those days are still fatiguing, and and, mm. and and on your palate if you're not doing it all the time. Of course. Both Chris and I do a bit of wine judging, so you you, you certainly get exposure to those type of days where you, you a lot of tastes. Yeah. It might be a hundred wines, but that could be six hundred sips because yes. you're, you're really giving a wine the time. Yeah. That to um to you know really tease out its qualities. Yeah, of course. Um, in that set in that setting, so yeah, for the restaurants we. We certainly, um, you know, want to make sure that basically, if it's on a wine list, Chris and I have tasted it, mm. um, assessed it, and for, for for quality and for fitting, you know, the cuisine that it's designed for, yeah, or, sure. or um, you know, the, that it represents the price point that it's going, yeah, going to be. Yeah. What other things do you have to look at when you when you're um, developing these programs, other than the actual taste? Are you looking at are you looking at sales data? I imagine you're having conversations with the venue managers or. Or oh, the obviously the SOMs with inside the venues and that kind of stuff I, as well. I actually think I'm the director of Excel spreadsheets most of the time. <laughs> re- re- reporting is obviously a huge yeah. thing and we capture a lot of data to, yeah. to, to make sure everything's performing. Sure. Uh, a business like this we need, needs to perform. So mm. um, we, we also don't want to miss opportunity. And so we're always looking that uh, if, a, if a wine list is particularly selling something well, yes. that we'll you know, fill those gaps to make sure that the customers have every opportunity to... to, to buy up or just just have the have the choices yeah for sure yeah have you sort of have you seen the wine programs change here um very much as in like more fine wine when you started out or more fine wine now is as opposed with all the venues that you look after 
Yeah, what I what I would like to think is that uh, over the over the you know, past nearly seven years, Chris and I have developed the wine program into each restaurant really having uh, a greater identity for itself. Sure, um, it's it's easy to cookie cutter uh, lists, and yep. um, you know we work with uh, a, a lot of suppliers, um, some key brands that you would see in a lot of places. But um, mm. you know, finding those wines that make a um, you know a Japanese restaurant or a Thai restaurant have the personality that you would expect, mm. and so you know wines that go with those cuisines we're we're, we're looking for, and sometimes we're we're specifically chasing that. Other times we're just tasting wine with a with a winemaker that's in town, and yeah, we right. go, "Oh, that's great! I've got a spot for that." So yes, that that's how sometimes it comes about. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. So let's talk about obviously where we're sitting right now, Cellar and Co. Like, how did that come about? That's that's, <laughs> that's been the again the sort of five maybe seven year dream <laughs> right. that, that 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 COVID made happen. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, like like everybody, when we were sort of shut down. Um, Everybody had new avenues to, or tried new avenues to, to you know, reach the customer, um, have a revenue stream of some sort. Of course. Um, and we'd always dreamed of having an online shop, um, yep. a, a wine club, if you like. You mm-hmm. know, Crown's got lots of members. Um, mm. And so reaching those um, members to be able to you know, deliver to their houses was, yeah. was, was always the dream. Yep. We hadn't quite got there. Yep. But, but then uh, it was like... <laughs> COVID, COVID realised that, uh, that that was a missing piece. Yeah, and, sure. And um, you had some time. So we uh, <laughs> we uh, we had the time <laughs> to uh, to come up with a website, mm. uh, and and at this stage it's still in its infancy, and and, yep. a, and a, a, I call it a fairly small um, selection that that we're growing. We're just finding out what people want out of a, a an online you know shop. Yes, and yeah. so that's um yeah that's fun to sort of you know plug the holes, treating it like its own wine list. Yeah, and, of course, um, and. You know, we're certainly now starting to see that we're you know, a couple of months into the marketing of that. That yep. um, you know, what's um, what's exciting people about yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and the shop um, was a space that I'd always dreamed of having for a bottle shop as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it belonged to a tenant, mm-hmm. and uh, and of course, my office is just uh, literally behind the wall that you're sitting in front. Oh, of. Oh, really? Yeah. That, okay. Um, so I've walked past this space every day <laughs> <laughs> and dreamed of having it. And wow. um, uh, yeah. Why is that? If I can ask you, why this space? Oh, it was just set, it was set up as a lobby shop. Uh, right. it, it had some booze in it. I just yeah. saw it as a good space and in the right place. Yeah, um, and totally agree. It's probably convenient for me because it's next to my office. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> just drop in. But um, <laughs> but uh, the, the the tenant who has uh, other shops in Crown uh, mm. decided that it, it wasn't working for them, so they the, yeah, right. the, the released their um, their lease. Yes, and took it over. Yeah, right. So that allowed us to have uh, a fine wine bottle shop in, in Crown, you know, under a, under a great hotel. Mm. Um, and you know, it's it's now that you know, we're seeing more traffic on property, and, yes. and you know, the hotels are starting to be really busy, at least on weekends. Yeah, that um, that it's really servicing what we what we thought it always would. Yes, um, and you know, we're focusing on making the uh, the online um, work for us as well. Yeah. Um, I know, obviously, the shop's only been open uh, a short period of time, and obviously, with the online component last year as well. Like, have you seen uh, the way that people, what people are buying in wine change, you know, over the last year at all? As now we're getting out to people, you know, being stuck at home and 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 um, and maybe buying a certain type of wine or a certain level of wine and now things are back open and they can go to Nobu um, or they can go to Rockpool and all those kind of venues here. Like, when they're coming here to actually buy a, buy a bottle of wine to um, either drink in one of the rooms or, or, yep. or take away. Is there any difference? We've what we saw um, initially, and we were sort of alerted to this data um, out of you know 
Sydney coming out of lockdown before us uh, yeah. was that um, people, once they could go out again, were drinking the things that they wouldn't have drunk at home, like champagne necessarily. Interesting. So the, it was almost like the occasion was you could go out to a restaurant again. Yes. And so you know, champagne uh, uh, has been great for us, Co- cocktails as well. And Really? Um, well, I mean, I, uh, uh, I drank a lot of wine at home. Yes. And I'm sure people drank a lot of beer. And, yeah. Um, and, and um, but I don't know how many people would, would have been in lockdown making cocktails for themselves. That's true. Um, so our guess is that's that's where that stemmed from. Mm. But uh, people mm. were out drinking cocktails and champagne, mm. celebrating being able to go to a restaurant again. Great point. And, um, and we've seen, I think because going out maybe is a – you know, because you, you've got to think about the cost a little bit more. You know, it, it was it was you know, financial hardship for, for for a lot of people. So uh, we've seen a, a premiumization in in mm. a lot of the restaurants um, that people are really choosing a good bottle. Right. Um, yeah, and that, that's probably because at home they were they were down, they were downgrading what they uh, what yeah. were drinking. Yes. I, I even drank a cask wine while I was in lockdown. <laughs> but that's a long story because my, my son's name is. There is a photo Jack. of that happening, Matt. <laughs> It probably is, <laughs> but the, it's, it's, a, it's an Aldi wine. I'll, 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 I'll tell you the quick story. Okay. My, my son's name is James Brook, and right. they, they have a brand called brand called Brook James. <laughs> and I spotted it, and I was like, "Well, this is just crazy." So I yes. just had to try it. How was it? It was okay. It was all right. R- r- you'd be surprised how good Aldi wines are. They they yeah, they right. pop up in wine shows and and do some good things. Yeah, right. I don't need to pump them up though. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's 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 not do that. Um, how um so what are you sort of thinking moving forward in regards with um in regards with wine culture and what people are going to drink? Because we've seen and we talked about it last time we caught up um about no alcohol booze mm. um even in wine and in spirits and that kind of stuff. Like, do you think? You're now seeing a broadening of the market in alcohol um, and in, even in fine alcohol to, you know, to really hit consumers in different ways. Yeah, that's an interesting one. It's a conversation I have more and more is about mm. the, the low and no alcohol drinks. Yes. And um, uh, Crown's a bit of a bubble. It hasn't really hit us here. Yeah, that right. It, that people are searching it more and more. But, yeah, there's mm. so many more products out there that, mm. that we're aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, whether it's the health conscious or, or, or you know, I think that's the main driver. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, the, the the mocktail lists are um, more and more important uh, mm. these days, especially mm-hmm. for lunchtime diners. That mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's no longer just a, a, a mixed juice drink. Yes. Um, yes. You know, these are, these are real creations, whether they're yep. you know tea infused whatevers or you know the likes of you know liars or sea lip that are really almost gin type drinks. Yes. But um, but uh, you know that's um, that's a that's a big part of the market. Yeah, um, yeah, it hasn't really bur- uh, you know really blown up here at uh, at Crown, but we're we're, we're conscious uh, yep. of filling that gap if if we need to. Yeah, we just see where it comes through. Yeah, let's. I want to talk a bit about um, education for a minute, if we can. Mm. Um, we seem to be talking more about it um, on the podcast with different owners, or um, uh, yeah, different owners on the podcast, and you know, education around the country and around the world in hospitality. Um, is challenged at the moment, obviously. Um, how do you sort of see places like Crown, who have a really great training program for for chefs and and people in uh, f- people in beverage as well, has been important uh, to that? Because obviously you're you know you've been here a long time now, yeah. like you've understood what the what the team is doing. Yeah, if, I mean, if I can step outside of the Crown story for a second, mm. I mean, when I was in my training, we had um, you know, some great sommeliers who you know, uh, who 
led the way in Chris Crawford being yes. my, my boss back then as well. Yeah. Um, it was wonderful, but things like the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, WECT, mm. was available but not widely. Right. Um, but right. now it is. Yes. And even the Quartermaster Sommeliers, and so I have qualifications with both, but um, yep. now they're both really widely available. Um, so which which is which is wonderful. Yes. Uh, and Sommeliers Australia, in fact, uh, as the organisation uh, that leads um, Sommeliers, mm. um, has much greater reach, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've been involved there um, for a while. Yes. That um, it almost scares me that the the kids coming up could actually be well more educated than I am. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're still the best. It's okay. Man. Yeah, I wear, <laughs> I, wear the, I wear the suit. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So here at Crown, we, we, I've always dreamed of this becoming the the, the breeding ground of sommeliers, or, mm. or just or just hospitality staff. Not yes. You don't have to have the aspiration of of, of this as uh, my job is your end, end goal. Sure. But um, you know, it's important to us that uh, the staff are you know going into each shift you know, there to sell food and, and wine. Mm. Um, and so, you know, educa- education is a huge part. We, we've got our own um, college, in fact, for, yeah. for, for training staff. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, but, but part of my job is is um, regular you know, in-house training, as in in-venue. Um, so that's um, reintroducing the staff to what they're pouring by the glass. You know, yes. we're, we're going through some list changes at the moment, so I'm about to be really out in the venues again. Um, uh, we're doing lots of tasting. Must be um, exciting. Which, which is. And, yeah. and, and I think... with. The staff are already starting to scream for it again. Yeah, it's um, great. Um, which which is wonderful mm. because um, you know they're getting they're getting busy and um, you know, now that people are coming back and probably in the swing of this is their job again. Yes, um, it's um, it's great. Yeah, it's great that to, to that enthusiasm is there. Yeah, for sure. So we do everything from um, WSET style, um, mm-hmm. you know, theory courses uh, mm-hmm. with lots of tasting, of course, um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and I don't call them sommelier trainings so much, but just beverage trainings. Um, mm-hmm. Whether we whether that's introducing them to the wines of Burgundy, so they yes, so that right. our, our, our premium venue um, our beverage staff mm-hmm. understand what's on their list, mm-hmm. um, or it's just you know talking whatever language language we need to at some of the casual restaurants who who aren't so you know familiar with wine that uh, yeah. but, but just finding what what connects them to you know the product that they're selling. Yeah, right. Is it is that a challenge? It is because um, I wonder. Some I, I really have to find the words that make sense to mm. them, so that they're not just listening to me going, like, "Who is this wine wanker?" Like, ser- <laughs> seriously. <laughs> and at, at, at some point, uh, you know, I have to make sure that I'm I'm connecting to yeah. a, a much younger audience and changing your language, changing my language. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, and making it fun because I, I think more and more these days, wine is sold on a story. Yeah, uh, right. As, as well as the you know the 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 information about the wine. Yes. Um, and so you know if you can make that connection with with a with a with a, a beverage or a bartender or a, or whatever. Yes. They're um they're going to take oh that guy said that about this I'm gonna I'm gonna say that next time because mm. you know, that's how I I would buy a wine if you walked up to the bar and someone said oh I've got this um you know you know fresh racy um delicious crunchy white wine mm. something in that language is going to connect to you rather than going oh. This wine's got high acidity and yes. it has these fruits and flavours and it came from these soils. Yes. All of those might be correct, but that's probably not going to sell it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I understand. So so we've got, you know, all of those, you know, fun challenges mm. to to you know really speak the language that uh, that that sells the wine. So let's go deeper into that, because I think you just touched on a really good point, right? Yeah. So if you're 
if you're the Simon at Nobu right now um, and you're on a busy Friday night and you're getting called over to um, talk about a wine offering with um, with a guest, let's talk about a table of four or something like that, and they're asking about certain wine, yep. um, I imagine that, that consumer probably knows a bit about wine, you know, that kind of thing. Like how, what kind of things are you saying to that customer in order to educate them about the wine list which is happening? Are you waiting for certain things that they would ask you before you start to, yeah. you know, what kind of questions are you asking that customer in order to I guess there's, them? An, there's an art to, to listening mm. to the to the guests and, and finding out where their knowledge is at and, and, and sometimes it's they just want to tell you how much they want to know yep. about wine and <laughs> that's all great and you can, yeah. you can still guide them um, um, and sometimes they're they're really frightened to to ask the question. So sure. you know they you know the hard the hard question is always about what price point you want to you want to spend. Yeah. Um, um. But you know, showing some enthusiasm, having some wine, some quick suggestions up your sleeve that, mm-hmm. that they go, oh, okay, well this could be easy. Oh, let's um let's have let's have further chats and sure. Um, um, I guess knowing how to quickly skip through a big list like Nobu's yes um, is 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 great because um. You know, that can be the daunting part is that mm. it's a you know it's a number of pages long and yes. um and just line after line of things you've never heard of mm-hmm. yeah and it's super confusing right yeah yeah so so you're actually asking the price point question to a, to a customer or you are or you seeing what they're maybe celebrating or and that kind of stuff and then determining maybe what price point they're going to spend yeah there's a bit of um a bit, a bit of just gauging without the the hard question yeah. sometimes and if that's like okay we've settled on Shiraz yes I think you're going to like this style uh-huh here's three suggestions right and be, that might be three different price points right and, and then so allow you, them you can to sort of choice. allow them to to go oh let's talk about this one okay that's at the lower price point so let's talk around there or sure or whatever if if they say oh yeah that's no problem then you turn the next page to the more expensive ones yes <laughs> <That's just> yes <laughs> <laughs> Which is always the most important thing, um, Matt. When you have a customer come into the shop, and you're educating them about wine, mm. how are you treating that differently to how you would educate a staff member at, at Crown? Yeah, I guess the benefit of um, being in a shop in a retail sense is that you can actually walk around and you see all the bottles. They're not just yeah. just words on a page. And That's a great um, point. you know, you know, it's such a colourful sort of eye catching. Mm. You, you know, just any any bottle shop really. Yes. You know, if you you, know, you, you sometimes you're just looking for the label um, mm. that catches your eye, mm-hmm. um, and you know obviously everything's in its in its section. So it's like okay, we're we're talking about whites. We've yep. got, a, we've got a, ta- uh, a shelf of Chardonnays over here, so yes. let's go stand in front of it. Yep. And um, you know, and, and we, we we've even got everything organised you know, by by region. Yeah. So wow. we can we can dive into all right. You want to try something Victorian? Yes. And here's this and this and this. Yeah. And um, you know it's. It actually makes it easier because obviously the price is in front of the guest, and you don't really have to have that conversation. Yes, um, yeah, so it's you really can, obvious. You can, you can start pointing things out, and, mm-hmm. and that's, I guess, how we uh, approach mm-hmm. that interaction. Yeah, some people just want to browse, and yeah, and others want to pull you over to the expensive shelf and and really talk <laughs> <laughs> and really understand more about wine and test your knowledge. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. 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 Are Are you thinking that more people uh, in Australia are picking more local wines, or are they still? Uh, going for the international stuff, and the reason why I ask is because yeah. obviously what we've seen in food, especially over lockdown, is that is that people are really skewing local mm-hmm. and hyper local into Victoria at the moment. Obviously, where we are, like, are you seeing that come into wine as well? We're certainly championing that uh, as best we can. I think uh, you know if I you know was going to put a, a mixed six pack of something together, I'd, I'd heavily put 
some Victorian things in yep. there if I could. Yes. Um, and um, you know, I think through that lockdown, it was it was great to see you know some fellow winemakers and and producers who found it really hard to reach reach customers that um, you know were mostly their restaurant customers. Yes. And there were you know lots of small groups creating these like community six packs, um, mm-hmm. and so really championing the the smaller producers, um, yeah, where we could. Sure. Um, uh, you know, I think there's been probably a slight leveling out now mm-hmm. um, but uh, but I think we're all still fairly aware that um, you know we need to travel Australia and, and eat and drink Australia yeah of course yeah of course yeah um, I've got two more questions for you yeah um, first one um, <laughs> how would you how would you say to someone to start educating themselves about wine like where where should they start trying and understanding wine first in order to get a better appreciation of wine yeah, that's a that's a great question. We we had that on the uh, the Instagram uh, Q and A last night. Oh yes, um, yes. It's um, wine's a funny funny world because there's so many varieties. But mm. when you start out, really all you understand is there's white and there's red. Yes. And sometimes if the first wine you have is Cabernet Sauvignon because your dad drinks it, yeah, that's that's a hard starting point. Um, mm. Or can be. Yes. Because um, you know it's it's it has tannins. It could be a little mm. bit bitter, mm-hmm. um, sharp, as people say. Yes. Um, and that might just ruin red wine for you. Yeah, right. Um, but, you know, there, there's all sorts of in-between, obviously, that, mm. uh, that that could could have been a better starting point. Yes. So I suggest to a lot of people, drink as, drink as broadly as you can, try yeah. try something new. Yep. And, that, and that might be hard because you're committing to a bottle, but, you know, maybe, you know, allow somebody to sell you something different at a wine bar or a restaurant. Yes. And, um, and that can be a way. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're a... a, a we're we're a t- the type of people that um, get seduced by sugar, and uh, I remember <laughs> finally cracking my my younger brother yes. uh, in wine with German Riesling, and right because um, yeah, it's just off dry and yeah. and that sweetness seducing. He's like, oh, I can do this. Yes, and I was like, okay, well, there's there's a win. <laughs> Not that everyone should start with German Riesling, but it's pretty mm. delicious as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so sometimes it is just understanding what what floats their boat. Yeah, you know, in, with drinks in general. Sure. Um, you know, Moscato is a, a, a big category mm-hmm. for us and, and, and everywhere, really. Um, it's, it's fruity, number one. It's a little bit sweet. It's lower in alcohol. Yes. That's probably not necessarily the driving point, but um, mm. those things that you can identify in the wine, like Sauvignon Blanc is the easiest example. It's, yes. It's, um, it's uh, got all these identifiable tropical fl- mm-hmm. flavours. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny story, I used to, I used to I was uh, grew up being told that uh, one of the main flavours of Sauvignon Blanc was gooseberry. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I was like, write that down. What's that? But uh, I'd never tasted a gooseberry, so <laughs> I'd, uh, I, I took that on board um, until I did actually a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, they were correct. That's, so that's, that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's um, you know, passion fruit for me. And it was like, yes. so finding those fruit flavours that you identify that make you comfortable with it. Sure. Um, you don't have to get too bogged down into much about it. Just find the flavours that you like. Yeah, just yeah. making making yourself comfortable about wine because, as you said, you know, um, you can take wine to a really, really high level and start using a lot of different terms and that kind of stuff. But if it's not accessible and you don't feel comfortable, then I don't think you're going to broaden out your range of actually what you want to taste, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, my last question to you, Maddie, is is what are you looking forward to most about this year? Like you, you've been the director of wine here. Like obviously, you know, Crown is opening up again. It's exciting to see. You've got this great store with Chris, um, an online thing. You're doing Instagram Q&As since last time <laughs> I've been here. Like things are happening. Um, what are you looking forward to this year? 
I think really just seeing our our dream little baby here um, grow. It's, yes. Um, you know, and it's really exciting. The I think the potential. We, yeah. I've already told the bosses. I think I'm going to need a bigger storeroom. Um, nice. You know, once once online happens, and I think, you know, by all accounts, online is probably not going away. Yes. Um, you know, obviously it boomed, you know, throughout last year. Yeah. But um, so you know, we're we're just excited to be in that market, and um, That's awesome. But more importantly, the, what it offers our our crown guests that are coming back. Um, mm-hmm. You know the. The selection that's on the shelf here is is broad, but it also uh, includes lots of things that are in the restaurants. Sure, you can have a glass of wine at you know, Coco or Nobu or Silks. Mm-hmm. And come and buy a bottle here. Yes, take it home or get it delivered or whatever. Yeah. So those awesome. sorts of things we really want to see just the link to the whole picture come mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I'm looking forward to doing a bit of Aussie travel. Cool. Yeah, I've done a done a couple of you know short trips. Um, yeah, Victorian. You know, mm-hmm. went to Brighton. Mm-hmm. A couple other places, mm-hmm. um, so that's sort of exciting. That, that, that <laughs> haven't haven't locked anything away yet, but uh, yeah, you know, that, that's what this year I think will be about. Yeah, got my uh, my little boy will turn two, so oh. we'll just spend more time, you know, making him into a legend, <laughs> <laughs> developing his palate, yeah, hopefully enjoying wine soon. <laughs> uh, well, not soon, but like you know, in time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, what's the best way that people can find out? about this fantastic shop here in Crown? Yeah, so the, uh, I mean, the website is, uh, you can find it via the Crown website mm-hmm. or it is crownsellerandco.com.au. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, the location here is level B1 uh, mm-hmm. in Crown Towers. Yep. So if you're familiar with um, the Nobu or Rockpool entrance, down the escalators, you, you really can't miss it once you're there. Yep. Um, so, you know, we look forward to seeing people in the shop now that, you know, there really are more people out and about. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, you know, you can... Email us through the through the website and you know, request whatever you need, or hopefully there's something already on there that floats your boat. Yeah, it's super easy to find, um, even for the second time. And <laughs> uh, and really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. <laughs>